homeownership is out of reach for you? Well, there are these types of properties called fixer-uppers you can look into. They're typically older homes and have outdated decor. You know, think 70s paneling and shag carpeting. No offense if you like that stuff. Anyway, you get the house, replace the carpet, slap on some paint, and you're done, right? A net over my hair. Like I had on paint clothes and eyeglasses and a mask, but didn't think about my hair. So I had to soak my hair in like this conditioner stuff to try and like peel the paint off because it was a solid misty layer by the time I was done. (laughs) That's Bethany describing what happened when she completed what she thought was a simple painting job. Her and her partner Charles relied mostly on YouTube videos to do much of the renovations for their new fixer-upper themselves. The arbitrary budget of $10,000, they totally went over. Throughout their mishaps and paint in Bethany's hair that make her look like an old lady, what was the final outcome? Welcome to Beyond the Dollar with me, Sarah Lee Kane. We have deep and honest conversations about how money affects your well-being. We go there. The guilt, stress, exhilaration, and fear, no topic is taboo. My guests are Bethany McCamish and Charles Drake, bloggers at hisandherfi.com. We chat about why they decided to buy a fixer-upper, despite the foul smells, why the renovations aren't what you'd see on HGTV, and how much money they really spent. We also go over how much money they saved buying this fixer-upper and some of the lessons that they've learned for next time when they try to tackle a project like this. Stick around to the end where I'm going to show you how you can make housing more affordable, especially if you're interested in buying a fixer-upper. No white hair, I promise. Now, before we get started, one of the ways you can afford the things that you love is by using your values to guide your spending. Lucky for you, I've created a values-based spending guide, which can help you hone in on what you value the most and how to apply it in your financial life. To grab it, go to beyondthedollar.co slash values. And to find resources shared in this episode, head over to beyondthedollar.co or click on the link in your podcast app. Now get ready, grab a seat, and let's go Beyond the Dollar. Charles and Bethany, welcome to Beyond the Dollar. So excited to have you on. Let's talk about where you located and where did you buy your fixer upper? Yeah, so we are close to the Portland, Oregon city area, but we're actually in Vancouver, Washington, which is like what we call second Portland. It's just across the bridge. So pretty high cost of living area in general. Like in Portland, it's pretty hard to buy a house. For under, what would you say? Like 500,000 minimum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at least. So, and also, like, we like the Vancouver area. We have friends and family here. So that's why we chose that area and bought our fixer upper and our first home in Vancouver. Okay. So you had essentially decided to buy a fixer upper simply because of the prices. You just wanted to stay there in that, in that area. Yeah. Like, that's what we could afford <laughs> too. And mm. um, we knew that, like, we could build some equity in it. I honestly had to be kind of convinced because I was like, well, I'd rather have a nicer house. And Charles did a little bit of convincing to get me to do a fixer-upper. And we were both kind of earlier in our careers too. So it's kind of that decision of, do you want to be house poor or do you want to still have some extra cash every month and still live in a decent place, but maybe not as nice as you want or you see on you know HGTV? Yeah. HGTV gives like totally unrealistic standards, by the way, of what it actually takes to fix up a house. So 
just putting that out there. It's not a 45 minute episode for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> so Charles, I'm interested. What what were the exact things that you said to Bethany to convince her to buy a fixer upper? I think it was still the promise of it can look good and we can make it look nice on the inside. And she just said the most important thing for her was uh, the layout. So the cosmetic things we could fix, but as long as the structural and the not so easy things were good from the start, that was like a common ground we could start on. Okay. I like that. Yeah. So definitely lesson there for everyone is to find some common ground if you seemingly disagree on whatever financial matters it is with with your significant other, right? right? Yeah. And I'm a total visual person. So like walking through the house, I was like, oh my God, there's popcorn ceilings. It smells so bad. It like smelled like something had died in there. And I was like, just experiencing it. So he kind of had to be like, yeah, but look, it has an open floor plan. Yeah, but look, we can just, you know, rip this out and make this new. So that's helpful for me as a super visual person of being like, I can't even see this like being pretty. And, you know, he kind of helped with that. Awesome. So when you were looking at these homes, was it the layout that convinced you? And then what was the, if you want to share, what was the final purchase price of that home? Yeah. I mean, for me, it was the layout that convinced me. Like it was really important to us that we had an open floor plan. And then it was also important that we had a really nice yard because we, you know, had dogs and wanted to make sure that they had plenty of space. So those two components were big factors. We bought in an older neighborhood too. So um, the trees were kind of bigger and offered a little bit more privacy. So I'd say like all of those things were part of it. And then also we looked at some pretty crappy houses. And so like out of all the houses that were fixer uppers, I feel like this one was actually pretty decent. I don't know. What do you think? Like, it, comp- Well, it was kind of bad too. Like when we went to the open house for this, it was like this old pit bull, like nothing was cleaned. It was so dirty, kind of had a smell to it. And we just thought it was like the dog smell. So like there's nothing really to like about it at first glance. And like when we showed other people pictures of it, they're like, you are not buying that. It's like, (laughs) it looks horrible. But in comparison to some of the other houses, I feel like it looked less horrible than the other ones we were looking at. So there was that. And then the purchase price was $258,500. That was our purchase price. And we were able to get the closing closing costs covered because there was quite a bit of stuff that had to be fixed, including the roof, which... That was something we knew going into it that we were going to have to like put a new roof on. And then the total with the renovation was $273,500 about there after we had done all the reno stuff. And what did you anticipate as your budget before you started the renovations? $10,000. That was our like, that's the max that we were like, thought we would spend. But of course, it went over. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think in most cases, even when you watch HGTV, to those who are fans, I think most of the time they go over as well, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, no, you're right. They they do. They go over as well. I mean, it was kind of like fairies and rainbows ideal to stick to $10,000 especially when we needed a new roof, and that's like factoring that into renovation. So, yeah, that was a little bit low. So, how did you come up with that number? Oh my god. Just Kind of honestly guessing because we've never done this before. And we just thought it was kind of a safe number. And we knew 
housing or the roofing costs were about like 7,000 for our size of house. So that was kind of a starting point. It's like, so 3,000, you know, for everything else seems reasonable and it's just mostly cosmetic things. So yeah. So the number, we kind of just pulled it, pulled it out of our ass. I'm not going to lie. Like we, we just like, <laughs> that sounds reasonable. Well, yep. $3,000. That's so reasonable. So we really didn't know. <laughs> Thank you for that honesty. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think most people are probably flying by the seat of their pants too when it comes to to budget. So yeah, yeah, right. And Especially you- for like a new venture that you know, no one in our families like we don't have like construction workers or like people who built houses. You know, or we didn't have any background or like family who was even there to give us a little bit of like structure for it. So it was kind of discovering it on our own. All right, before I move on to more of the renovations, I am curious, what was the decision-making process behind buying a house versus renting? Well, in our area, renting was exorbitantly expensive. Like You could buy a $300,000 house and still have a, a cheaper mortgage payment than you could rent. So just the area that we were in, renting was just really high and it just made more sense to buy even after the higher home cost like in the equation. And then we were like settled in the area. We both had careers and we felt, you know, good in the place we were at. So we were kind of investing for the long term and making a long term plan. So buying made more sense. Yeah. And the renting costs in this area are equivalent to our mortgage payment, if not more. So that was a, like you said, that was probably like the number one factor for us too. And then when we were renting the last house we had, which was a great house, the landlord came over one day and told me he was like, yeah, I just bought this property and I just put your whole check every month into my kid's college fund. And like, that's great. What a cool dad. But I was like, I don't want to fund a kid's college fund anymore. I'm, I think I just want to like have that money come back to us, not some other kid's college fund. Fair enough. (laughs) Fair enough. I'd probably do the same thing. Um, All right. So let's talk about the renovation budget of $10,000 and why went over. So you mentioned they were mostly cosmetic. So what would you say was the easiest change or renovation that you made to the house? We might have different answers on this. I don't know. But oh my gosh, the easiest change. Okay, the easiest change was honestly the paint. And we just bought a paint sprayer on Amazon because we knew we were going to have to paint like every inch of this house, like floorboards, every corner and the ceilings. So we bought a paint sprayer on Amazon. How much was that? Like... $300 about. $300. We split the price because his sister was doing a renovation, hired people to do her renovation, but doing a renovation at the same time and borrowed the paint sprayer. And that was easy. It was like a one-day process. The hardest part was just taping things off. Totally cosmetic. And the house smelled so much better because I think the guy may have been a little bit of a smoker beforehand. So yeah, that definitely helped. Charles, would you agree with that? I would actually say the uh, the flooring in the master bedroom was the easier job. I just did that by myself, watched a few YouTube videos, and it was much more relaxing. And there wasn't like you didn't wear a mask and have like the paint spray everywhere, soaking your clothing and everything. So I would say the floorboards for me were a bit easier. I mean, I did none of the floorboards, so <laughs> it could be that too. And I did all, most of the paint sprays, so. I did get the paint in my hair because I wasn't smart enough to think about wearing a like a net over my hair. Like I had on pink clothes and eyeglasses and a mask, but didn't think about my hair. So I had to soak my hair in like this conditioner stuff to try and like peel the paint off because it was a solid 
misty layer by the time I was done. <laughs> what color was it? It was white. I looked like I was like 100 years old. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. That's, that's interesting. So why YouTube videos? Because we were going to do this our, our damn selves, I feel like, because we wanted to kind of bootstrap it, which I hate that term in general. But yeah, we were just going to do it ourselves and do it for cheap and not hire anyone. So we only hired people for two things. One was the roof, which, you know, we estimated about $7,000. We got like five or six quotes. The quotes ranged from 15000 to 8000 So 8000 was the cheapest we could get the roof done for. So we went with that company. And then the other thing we hired out was the ceilings. So there was popcorn ceilings throughout the whole house, but they'd been painted over. So scraping them, like we watched a YouTube video, right? Oh my gosh, it looks so easy. Spray it with some water, scrape it off. Takes, you know, we'll be done in a day. Oh my God, we spent like three full 10-hour days scraping the ceilings with vinegar water solution because it had been painted over. And we kind of like divoted... I don't know. It's not a divot, but we like messed up the ceiling a little bit and we were going to resurface. But after we messed it up, we were like, well, let's just uh, hire someone out for that. So those are the two things we hired out. And then everything else, it was all about YouTube. And I think just because we're kind of like young and like, we can do it. We'll figure it out. We'll make it happen. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I love that. Was there... Because there's so many YouTube videos, obviously. Like, Which ones did you decide were legit? And which one you're like, "Mm, they're kind of full of crap? I think we just looked at a couple and when they just show you the process of spraying water on it and then you just run something like a tool over it and it just like comes off like butter and you're like, oh, this is so easy. Well, when we've like tried it, sprayed some water, scraped it, nothing. And then we like had to do uh, another search and it's like, oh, well, if your ceilings are painted, then this is a whole another issue and whole another problem and your workload just tripled. Yeah. So basically trial and error. I don't think we had like a vetting process for deciding which YouTube videos were legit. We were just like, which ones have the most views? Which ones have like the most comments? Does this guy like sound like he has a business and he does this himself? Yeah. And then honestly, we just would watch it and try it. And if it didn't work, we'd watch a different one and (laughs) and try that next. And the same thing like for the floors and stuff. Yeah. Moving on from the, you know, quote unquote, easier stuff. So you said you had the the roof done by professional. You end up having the ceilings redone by a, or not redone, sorry, scraped and, and all of that by a professional. What were some of the tasks that maybe you thought you could do yourself or other ones anyway, that you thought you could do yourself and you're like, okay, this is, this is getting way more complicated. I better hire someone. Well, the ceilings is one of them. So we did all the scraping ourselves. We just like, but we we messed up the ceiling basically by doing it ourselves. And we left divots because like we stabbed the ceiling too hard and the ceiling was like so wet from the spray. So that was one thing where we were like, we can't resurface this. Like it is too complicated. We have to rent a sander. You know, even the videos looked intense. So that was one instance where we really needed a little bit of professional help. And then another like really great thing was Charles's coworker flips houses a lot and heard that we were doing this and we had bought all these lights and we didn't know too much about electricity or like we're not electricians or anything but he was super helpful and he came over and like helped install all these lights in a matter of I don't know a couple hours is it was a couple hours it was like something that would have taken us like 2 days to figure out like 
which wires go together and all that. And he just like came over and did it in a couple hours for us. And it was so nice, including a ceiling fan and like balancing the ceiling fan. So yeah, we were lucky in that way that that happened to be. (laughs) Were there any regrets that you had with the renovation process? I think there's like some things that we kind of wished we could do as well, but didn't have the budget or the time left. Yeah. Like I would have liked new floors throughout the entire house, but instead we just like focused on getting rid of the carpet that was there and replacing it with a floorboard that kind of matched it. So like that's something I would have liked to do differently. There's definitely like upgrades you can do. You know, you could upgrade for forever. So I think our budget in that way limited us a little bit. I don't regret like doing it. I think it just was so hard and so much work. We were both working. So we'd get off work. I'd get off at like 2.30, come to the house, work until 10 or 11 at night, and then you know repeat, repeat for a whole month because we had a month transition to renovate. And Charles did the same thing. So that was a little bit difficult. I would also say like if we did it again... We'd make sure that our budget wasn't so low that we felt really tight and like we couldn't renovate what we wanted to. But it's a first home and it's a fixer upper, and like the next home will be better and the next home will be better. So that's something that I think about too. Yeah, I think what we realize as well is it's much easier to renovate all at once when there's no furniture or anything in the house, when the house is completely empty than it is when you're living in it. So, in a way, like if we had a bigger budget, it would have been much easier to get it done earlier than it would be now. Yeah, totally. Is there something on your dream list that you maybe want to tackle in the next couple of years? I would say a new uh, heater and AC. We just have like electric wall heat and it works, but it's not great. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. That would definitely be a big one. Like redoing the back porch area would be good. That's another thing we didn't really mention earlier. We did a lot of landscaping and we put in like 100 trees in the back and like that was another big part of our renovation budget. So like not just thinking about the interior of the house but also the exterior. Like there was some siding that had to be fixed and new insulation that had to be put down and for me it was like a little hard for me to think about spending money on something that I don't necessarily see. Like, yes, I know it's necessary. I knew we had to put black, new black tarp in the crawl space, but I was like, oh, wait, that money could go to something that like would actually impact our, our like day to day kind of thing. So yeah, there was a lot on the like parts of the house that you don't see that I didn't think about coming into it too. So that took away a little bit of renovation budget. All right. So now that you've gone through this experience and you're more realistic about what things cost, do you plan on, do you have like a savings account earmarked for home maintenance or home renovations, anything like that? No, I wouldn't say we do right now because I don't know, we're, we're happy enough with like how it looks and what we've done with it, that anything else would just be a nice to have. And we feel like our money would be spent a better other places. So right now we're, uh, yeah, we're, we're happy with how it ended up. Yeah, like nice to have and dream houses out there and we think about it and talk about it. But our money is working for us in other ways, like being invested into our retirement accounts or helping to pay off my student loans. So that's where the money needs to go now. Like, And if we sold our house, we've built equity in it. Like The area has done really well too. And the renovations we did complete are enough to sell the house for 
much more, which is nice. So that's another piece to it. I mean, we have our emergency savings and like our future savings that has some money in it in case, you know, the water heater goes out or whatever. But yeah, we're not looking to invest too much more into this house. I think if we if we did, we we might sell and like do this again. I don't know if we see I say that I'm like, we could do it again. And Charles asked me today, he's like, would you do it again? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, don't ask me until I'm in this situation because it's such a commitment. And like, it was so hard, but it was worth it. It was hard, but it was worth it. So. So how long did everything take? It took a full four weeks. So luckily, uh, our first mortgage payment was like a month out from when we signed the uh, the final docs for the house. And then our uh, last month's rent for our rental house was already paid for when we uh, signed that agreement. So that we had this like month gap, which was so nice to have because we didn't have to pay any money or have to pay like a mortgage or our rent. So we could just focus all that extra money that we needed into the house that when we went over budget and then all the time. So yeah, a full four weeks, we both worked 40 hour weeks. So anytime after that was spent working on the house and it was, yeah, exhausting. No, he had no free time. Yeah. Like the weekends, it was full 12 hour days. And every weekday, it was like four or five hours after work at least. Yeah. All right. So now that you put some of the you know money into renovations and all of that, what is the value of the house now? Because you said if you sell it, you, you can get some money out of it. Yeah. So if we sell it, we could probably sell for between 310 and 320 I mean, 330 if we're super lucky and there's a bidding war. The house across the street just sold for 310 and it's four bedroom, one bathroom, like kind of outdated with carpet. So the neighborhood itself is doing really well. And I think that says a lot about it. And yeah, I think if we're lucky, that's what we could sell it for, which is pretty good. If you were to do this all over again, I know you said you don't know, but if you were, <laughs> what what's one thing you would want to change? Well, there's two things. I think I would one, want to like vet the neighbors a little bit more. I don't know how I do that, but we have a little bit of weird neighbors. And then I think I would think about the house a little bit more in a seasonal way. So when we bought the house, it was in the fall, but there were still all these leaves on the trees. And back behind our house is kind of a green space. So it gave us a lot of privacy from the houses that were behind us. But then come winter, which is and then all the way into late spring, all the leaves are gone and you can see straight into other people's like yards and windows. And so I don't think when we bought the house, we were really thinking seasonally about what coverage and privacy do we actually have. So that's something I would do differently. I would at least think about that. And then I would probably make sure that if we are going to do renovations, we keep a little bit more of a flexible open budget just so that we don't feel quite as confined. Charles, anything to add? Yeah, I, I agree with the what Bethany said. The over budgeting versus under budgeting is uh, always favorable. And yeah, just think of the house seasonally. So look at the trees. Like we have this pear tree in the backyard and it just makes a mess of our backyard. Like try to think of the the trees that are planted there. Maybe ask the the realtor before you buy and think of like any potential problems or if you have a uh, say like bamboo on your fence line, well, bamboo grows like crazy. So you're going to be spending a lot of time maintaining that to keep it out of your neighbor's yard. So just try to think of like your interactions with other people around you, like what your property is going to do near the property lines and think of the whole picture versus just the house. 
Yeah. All right. So Charles and Bethany, how are you both living beyond the dollar? How are we living beyond the dollar? I don't know. I mean, we're part of like the financial independence community. So in that way, we've subscribed to a lot of the, I'll just say like frugal lifestyle decisions with like how we budget and how we think about money as a tool to work for us rather than maybe so much as a worry or concern. Yeah. And I would just say taking control of your money and making your money work for you versus letting your money control your life. So that could mean, you know, investing into your retirement accounts to make sure you have a secure future, making sure you have an emergency fund so you're not going to stress about the unexpected and not forgetting to have some fun too, like have some fun money because you got to live your life. And as much as you want to save, you know, that's years out, but you got to have some fun now as well. Mm -hmm. Well, Charles and Bethany, thank you so much for coming on Beyond the Dollar. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Had a good time. All right. So hope you enjoyed that story with Bethany and Charles. I still can't get over the fact that she had paint all over her hair and had to have what the chemicals to, to get that out. So I guess first lesson is wear a hairnet. <laughs> wear a hairnet unless you're completely bald, right? Now, in terms of home ownership, if you decide that's something you want to dive into, again, it's not for everyone, but if that's something you decide, Here's some tips to, to really think about before you consider a fixer upper. Number one is decide how much of the work you're really willing to do yourself. I mean, let's be honest, there's things that you may think are really minor and then you realize, oh gosh, it's going to take a lot more work than you realize. So something that I do enjoy doing, but a lot more work than I initially thought was yard work. All right. So if my mobility wasn't as good or if I really hated it, that's something that I probably would have hired out. So really just consider if you're a first time homeowner, there are lots of things you're not going to realize that you're going to have to do on your own. So really just talk to other homeowners and just think, all right, what are some things I'm really willing to do myself? Because yes, it can save you money, but if you realize halfway through a project that you hate this or you really need a professional to come in, in the case of, of Bethany and Charles, that's something that they had to do themselves and then they had to hire out, then it's going to cost you more money, right? Part of why their their budget went up. Even if you think you're going to do something yourself, just get quotes anyways from contractors, just so you can get an idea of how much something will cost. And if you can in that quote, see how much materials might cost. Maybe go to Home Depot or Lowe's and talk to customer service representatives there, whoever you can. I mean, I'm lucky I have a father-in-law that that does a lot of this stuff. So we can ask him and say, oh, how much do you think this might cost? What are some materials we can save on? Things like that. So just to get an idea, that way, when you're setting a budget, you're not just naming some arbitrary amount that you're pulling out of thin air, that you're, you're at least going to have some sort of estimate of what you might pay, right? And on that same vein, just be realistic. You might go over budget, right? Now, how much over budget obviously is up to you. And then prioritize some of the things that you really want to do. Now, on that same vein with prioritizing, something that Bethy said, which reminded me of an article I wrote, I'm going to put it in the show notes, is that she said, oh, I don't really like spending money on this stuff for like the vent and, and all of that. I wanted the, the prettier stuff, right? The, the stuff that you can kind of see every day. But those are obviously necessary renovations and repairs. And this article I wrote, I actually interviewed HGTV's Karen and Mina from the show Good Bones, a big fan. Again, I'll leave a link in the show notes. And that's one of the things they talked to us is 
if you're buying a home, you have to really think about the bare bones of the place. So like dryer vents, like foundation, load-bearing walls, all of those things. It's great to want to just go in there and slap on some paint and get rid of the paneling, all of that. But if you don't have the, the foundations in place of a home, it really doesn't matter how pretty it looks. So some fixer-uppers are going to need a lot more of that foundational work than others. So be just very realistic about the fact that you're going to have to spend money on things that may not look pretty, but are absolutely necessary to a home. Now, if you do decide, let's say you go through with the putting the offer down on a home and the sellers accept, ask questions, ask as many questions as you need along the way. Ask the realtor. I mean, if you need to keep asking the seller stuff, definitely go to the home inspection because you want to learn about the property. That way you can also negotiate for more repairs or just, again, get a general knowledge of, of what you may need to anticipate in terms of repairs and other things for the home. Just learn about as much as you can about the property. I mean, the advantage is you're going to s- probably save money with a fixer upper. I don't want to say you will because you never, I don't know the real estate market, let's be honest, but most likely you will, even with renovation. So that's the perk, right? I guess it's it's an excuse to just gut the place and make it like your own. But there are also things to really watch out for. Sometimes renovations can take a lot longer than you think, right? Again, I'm going to harp on the budget thing. It, it might take more than a couple thousand dollars to do the things that you want. So it's just really anticipating that. So very helpful to set aside some money just in case, because again, you just never know. So don't really have a challenge for you today because buying a home is, is a lot. Maybe think about if you are going to consider buying a fixer, but read some articles on the pros and cons and then get really honest about whether this is something that you're willing to tackle right now. Again, I'll link to a few more resources in the show notes. So thank you so much for listening. As always, you can hit me up Instagram at beyondthedollar or email me hello at beyondthedollar.co. All right, everyone, until next time. Thank you so much for listening in on Beyond the Dollar. If you like what you heard, please share with a friend. It'll help share the mission of what we're trying to do, which is to have more deep and honest conversations about how money affects our well-being. Tag them on Instagram or one of my posts at Beyond the Dollar. Send them a link. Whatever you want to do to spread the mission of what we're doing here. Now, if you feel that putting money towards the things that really matter is a challenge for you, download our values-based spending guide. You'll gain clarity around what matters to you most in life, be able to name your most important values and how to start putting money towards those things. To download the values-based spending guide, go to beyondthedollar.co slash values. Thank you again for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode. And thanks to Donovan Durant for providing this awesome music.